just a reminder that we do have our Patreon, and if you could go and support us, that would be brilliant. It keeps the podcast going, pays all the bills and stuff like that, so it is really, really helpful, and we love everyone who's on there. Thank you very much. Go to patreon.com forward slash HM4AS, the four being the number four, and if you could give us a couple of quid a month, that would be brilliant. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Hey, this is Bob Tyrell, and you're listening to How Much for Sleeve. Hello. It's Mick and Lucy from the popular tattoo-based podcast, How Much for a Sleeve, and we'd like to give a few moments over to our new sponsor, DSM Tattoo Machines. Lucy, tell us a bit about them. Well, Mick, DSM Tattoo Machines make exceptional coils and now a new rotary, Tattoo Machines, not guns. You can check them out at dsmtattoo.co.uk and don't forget you get 10% off with discount code SLEEVE10. They also make a range of needles. You can find them at lockdownneedle.co.uk. I think they're very nice. How much for a sleeve? Hello, you're listening to How Much for a Sleeve, a podcast about tattooing, hosted by an actual tattooist. Lol harder. Okay, it's Lucy. And an actual knob, Mick. How are you? Yeah, I'm well. How are you? Good. Got your sunglasses on indoors. What's the matter? Are you peeled up? <laughs> Very you've sunny. Been, you've been to London for the first time in absolutely months and you're on the gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That Muswell Hill pills. Yeah. Muswell pills. Yeah, we go. <laughs> so that brings us on quickly. What have you been doing in Muswell Hill? Went down to see Lol Harder, didn't I? Lol Harder. Yeah. What did, you, what did you get up to? I got a Lol Harder tattoo. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. I texted him the day before. So it'd been pla- it had been planned for a little while to get tattooed, like since we spoke to him. And because I wanted some of um, the ultra ah, Fucking hell, Moon. <laughs> fucking hell. Did she just call your throat? She used, like she had a fucking cone on. She usually jumps onto my side, but she fucking jumped right under the middle of my back. The cunt. <laughs> oh, fucking prick. Right. Sorry. Carry on. We... A lot of cat dramas last couple of weeks. Um. Yeah. So I got. We arranged to get a bit of um the ultra flash, which is um came about because of Grant's dead stuff, and Grant got tattooed as well. So was that? And I texted that... him the day before. Is that stuff from from all the stuff that Grant found, or is it just yeah, all wicked? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and I didn't really know what I was going to get until we got there, and I was like, oh. So Lau drew up a sheet of, um, like redrew some of his favorite bits, and I picked off there. Had this, I posted it on our Instagram, and um, got like a witchy lady with her tits out, yeah. um, and um, and then I texted him the day before, and I went. Oh my god, I'm gonna get you to do lol harder on me. And he went, Are oh, you now? And then he finished it. I was like, Oh, can you just do it there? And he was like, Are you actually serious? <laughs> I was like, Yeah. Do you, have, uh, you don't feel like you're you're slashing his professional integrity, I do. <laughs> he said someone else calls him lol. Oh, what was it? Lol boner. Oh dear, that sounds like it. Bonder. <laughs> lol bonder. That'd be better though. Lol bone lol bonder. No. <laughs> well, um, probably did boner. Don't know who she is, her is, but yeah. Uh, that it was... she had, well, she had a lovely rack on that witch. You did terrible hairline though. We... <laughs> yeah, she had a five head and a crack in the set of wabs. <laughs> we were just 
<laughs> we're just commenting on that. I went to see my friends for PT before this and I showed them and they were like, oh my gosh, look at those boobies. I said, yeah, mine are not like that. And the, the other one other agreed. And then the one who has boobies like that was like, yeah, I look like mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that was nice. That fucking hurt. And Grant today has got a big black arm. He had um, mum and dad and hearts with a little swallow and loud in it proper 70s colorful style nice and there was an almighty breeze around it today and i texted him a picture of it and he went yeah sorry about that get called hammer hardy so was... <laughs> 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 but oh it was great and it was so nice to see the shop it's such a cool shop and he's got a lot of stuff and he gifted me um a poster from 1986 that was advertising um an event he put together i think it was um, the ta- a tattoo convention or I haven't unro- unraveled it but yeah just so lush and then we went for went for a little dinner at his fave Italian restaurant which it, I think is lush it's been there since 1981 this restaurant mm. I'm still going and I think Lal eats there five times a week <laughs> and then we had a great three course that was that was delicious so and then I obviously I got used to not doing much because I then was exhausted and slept in this morning because <laughs> I went to bed after 11 p.m. <laughs> Dirty stop out. Is that the first <laughs> is that the first guest that you've you've seen since we started doing this? Um, Apart from Lou. Oh, yeah, Lou. that is actually. And then next week I'll be at Origin with Matt Stoppers. Stops. Excellent. And what are you doing there? Guesting? Guesting. A couple of days. Nice. Some lols, some tattoos. Some general and abuse champagne. of Matt. Yeah, hope so. If I don't get it, then... Right off. Yeah, I can... Yeah, we'll throw some tables over and shit. Yeah, we're just saying, might try and do the intro for the following week while I'm there. Because logistically, might be tricky next week. So, yeah, yeah, that'd be quite fun. So maybe next week you'll get some guests on the... Um... <laughs> intro excellent <laughs> matt can sing a song from his a1 days yeah that'd be nice yeah my muff still hasn't arrived so nah. the sound is was yeah, a sounds, bit it's probably going to be a bit dodgy in the intro as well bad for lucy because right uh her microphone broke but yeah the good people at gear for music shout out to them <laughs> uh, can we have a free one us uh, uh, sorting us out it's a, uh, another one so thanks That'd for that. That'd be nice. Yeah, I just snapped it. Overuse my muff, maybe. <laughs> maybe I was just a bit a bit rough with the muff. <laughs> muff rough. Um, <laughs> thank you to everyone who signed up to our Patreon and thank you to everyone who still sends us lovely little messages and says they enjoy it and shares oh, things on their, on their tweeters or on their Instagram. You're the bollocks. I love that. I love that so much. Every time I get a message, I screenshot it and send it to you. I go, oh, how nice is this? Yeah. Thank you so much. It really does, really does cheer us up and make our, make our days. So thank you very much. And please carry on doing it and give us the five stars on the reviews. If you, if that's what you're into, that would be lovely. Yeah. But if you're not into it, don't give us a one star. No. Just give us a five star and pretend. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah tell your friends that'd be nice yeah that's that's it share it around if you think someone might be into it chuck it over to them see what they say yeah, yeah. thank you very much but 
I still am astounded by the volume of people that do listen. Like it's absolutely mental. I can't believe so many of you out there give a fuck that what we say. And I know most of you are here for people like this week's guest, Good Time Charlie. <laughs> but um, you do put up with a little bit of us chatting shit at the start. So that's nice. And our, our, our comical adverts and our pleading to join the patron. Um, thank you. Hello, Ilby. And thank you very much. Yeah, um, that'd be nice. Patreon is an awesome way just to support us a little bit. So Mick has been very generous in paying for everything, basically, setting us all up because when we started it, um, I wasn't working and he's well nice. So he bought my muff and um, paid for all the subscription stuff that we need just to keep it going. So you can start at £3 a month. That'd be lovely. And we'll send you some free shit. So thank you. Yeah, and those on the on the higher tiers, you're owed some free shit, so we'll get that over to you. Yeah, over to you soon. That'll be high quality uh, penis print. Penis print, like like, like a rubbing. Well, <laughs> well, mine. Yeah, and um, when I was at my PC, my friend Vicky, she's got a Rhodesian Ridgeback, which is like a large brown dog, and um, it's got this. It's got a ridge back because it's got this weird sort of formation of hair on its back, which I pointed out today looks like a very long shaft with two little testicles. <laughs> so we've renamed her Molly the Rhodesian Willy back. <laughs> there you go. Rhodesian. <laughs> is that what? Is that it's Zimbabwe? a country. What's Zimbabwe? Um, well, uh, potentially. I think so. They should probably catch up with the times. Stop dead name in the, the dog. Not... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just want to get that yeah. before we get cancelled. Uh, yeah. Oh, he's yeah. Uh, oh, the little mouse um, escapades last week. He got released into the wild. Eventually, he came down from the back of my storage heater. I gave up. I went into the kitchen and started making dinner and then heard some scrabbling and Elvis had chased it into the hallway. So I managed to corner it. And I think it was probably a little bit sad by that point, but I set it free. Excellent. Good. And Elvis did not eat it. We had... Um... We went to put some stuff in our new house the other day and found a cat. Not our cat. They haven't moved yet. Um, but we found a cat in our front garden smacking the fuck out yeah. of a bird. So oh. some, some, oh, sort no. of, some sort of bad omen. I tried to I tried to split him up. Oh, no. but I was like, the cat was going like full teeth and claws and the bird was oh. pretty duffed in and a bit minging. So I was like, <laughs> very <laughs> hands off. Oh. Hey stop it and the bird sort of flapped under a car and the cat pissed off so oh I, I think it, i think it was fucked um but yeah i have a it. pigeon nesting literally half a meter away from my kitchen window in my muff that's why it's broken <laughs> basically if a pigeon nests in your muff it will fuck it up and then you have to send it back depends what type of pigeon it is because if it's a, it's a big special one. type of pigeon you legally muff can't move pigeon. your muff and you have to wait for it to um uh sire it's child's before you can before you can move. Luckily, my muff's big enough to keep the whole accommodate family. several. Even even some some of them aren't even land mammals. It's that big. You can actually <laughs> fit in a. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, there's a whole herd of above <laughs> average sized pigeons. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's that... nice. I've been watching that. Yeah. yeah on that note. On that bombshell. So, our guest today, Good Time Charlie. Oh my God, yeah. What a big one. It took a lot of planning, and I'm so glad it all paid off. Yeah. It was great, wasn't he? Lush. So lovely. 
everyone's lovely, but you know, for someone yeah. like for someone like him to be like just could so easily have just gone, I can't be asked. But he's yeah. so happy to tell us everything. The way he speaks is like getting into a bath. Do you know what I mean? It's just you could you could nod <laughs> off listening to him speaking, couldn't you? It's yes, still has that like southern drawl mixed yeah. in with real 60s phrases like taking care of business i'm gonna put that in my daily vocab now taking yeah. care of business yeah oh That's he was class. lovely and he said and his assistant emailed after and said thank you so much for keeping the knowledge alive and sharing the history yeah. and i just was like oh yeah we are doing that aren't we that's nice it is we are so that bit. was and sort of sort of unintentionally really like it's not something we set out to do was to yeah to to you know let's let's make sure everyone's their voice is heard but because when we first started this we weren't anticipating on speaking to people of his caliber so no um (laughs) the fact that we are it's just like it's it's a double bonus a double victory for us and we don't even we didn't even didn't even plan it but it's cool it? it is it is cool and i you know i admit i know probably if i was two-fifths probably of fuck all about the history of tattooing but now i'm like every time we speak to someone i spend you know an hour probably after the episode googling the names they've said or the places they've said and now all this stuff is hitting me and sinking into my brain and i'm thinking why haven't i been interested in this sort of stuff earlier so yeah i'm getting i'm like so far into it and hopefully as the further we go on the more the more learned I'll be, and I'll stop asking shit questions. Oy, oy. <laughs> oh, you don't ask shit questions, Thanks, mate. and you just you ask the questions that are good to ask because people who listen that don't tattoo will yeah. also want to know. Like, yeah, I just how I can't much is I'm... a sleeve? Yeah, three pound fifty. Sweet ride. <laughs> but I can't believe that I have learned so much and I've gone so long tattooing not knowing so much of the stuff that we have learned so I'm so glad to be doing it now better late than ever and um every single person we speak to will learn something new yeah. as well so it's yeah it's great and Charlie oh my god I feel so blessed to have had the opportunity to chat to him just amazing so yeah so honored but we should probably let let you listen to it. Yes. You're sick of us chatting shit. You're here for Charlie. We understand. So this is episode 16 of How Much For A Sleeve with Good Time Charlie. How much for a sleeve? Today, we are so honoured to speak to Good Time Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for being here. It's an honour. Oh, well, it is an absolute <laughs> honour to speak to you. Absolutely, thank you. <laughs> um, I've got to ask first, where did the name Good Time Charlie come from? I've been tattooing probably maybe a year or so at the shop in Long Beach at the Pike, and uh, there was a a girl that I tattooed, and she was so thrilled with it. She brought back her friend, and and eventually her she started buying all her friends tattoos, and so 
there was a group of four or five of them eventually that all came as a clique. And uh, when another one would get a tattoo. So uh, they wa all walked in the shop one day as a group thing. And uh, the song was playing on the radio. Good time. Charlie's got the blues. And she said, you never have the blues. You are good time, Charlie. <laughs> and so, and so from then on, they just always said, go see good time, Charlie. You know? and so that's okay. <laughs> It's a great name. I yep. wish that we still had cool names like that. I was talking about it today. I was like, God, I wish I wish I could like rebrand as like Painless Lucy or something like that. Good time, Lucy. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know, that's the thing that, uh, that in, in, in my years of experience, there were so many characters involved that had uh, that were they were just personalities personalities that were more like showmen or promoters you know self-promoters and and uh fast eddie and all those guys that crazy eddie and uh on and on it goes they were just all real characters and but and their name set them apart too you know uh so anyway yeah. i've, I've yeah. been tagged with that tagged with that name since 1973 probably it's a, it's, wow. at least it's a good thing we have spoken about nicknames a couple of times before and yeah some of the nicknames of my friends you know <laughs> cack is one of them which is i had a friend called poo. cack yeah as um, well as... And another one called smut and i just you get, you get, you get smutty that, lucy you get that when you're young and it never goes away and you you know you're taking a new girlfriend out for dinner and your mate yells out from across the restaurant, hello, smart. Why are you called smart? <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. so That's like, a good one. Good time, Charlie's quite, quite, quite reasonable. Yeah. You got away with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so when did tattoos first sort of come on your radar? When I was 15 years old, I was uh, standing on the corner waiting on the bus. And um uh, on the opposite corner, caddy corner across, was an old man waiting on the bus going the opposite direction. It was the last bus at, at midnight. And so we were both leaving town. And I, I yelled across the street. I said, hey, do you have any fire? I have a cigarette, but no matches. And, and he said, yeah. So I ran across. And when I leaned in to light my cigarette off of his Zippo lighter that he whipped out there, I was I was at chest height with my head down and I, his shirt was had a big V there and I could see a, like a rope or something going across and a lot of different things going on and I said how many tattoos do you have and he said one and I go well let me see it so he starts unbuttoning the cuff of his shirt and I thought well this guy's lying he, he's got more than one because I'm seeing one on his chest and he's going to show me something on his arm and but he took his shirt off and oh my god he had it was a jungle his body was a jungle and he had ever imaginable beasts and animal you can imagine in the proper environments too and I was just amazed I, and I was so naive I didn't ask who did it or where he got it I was just I just, I looked at him and said, I got to figure out how to do that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so 
that was when I was 15 years old. And so the only tattoos I knew uh, on a local level was just gang tattooers, uh, hand folk things. And so I could draw and I thought, well, that's no problem. And so I just started tattooing out of the back seat of my car. Uh, I had a 46 Chevy and and wow. I uh, and I had a, a certain spot in the neighborhood and everything was right there. There was the burger bar, the cozy arcade, the liquor store and the pool hall. So everybody was right there and they just were waiting their turn. And I was so fast, though, because I could tattoo with uh, you know, up to multiple needles on popsicle sticks and and uh, and and really uh, jam them in there for big cover ups and stuff. And so I could I could I could rock out. And I could actually almost tattoo as fast by hand as I could with the machine, I I feel, you know. Wow. But years ago, uh, when my brother was busted all the time in the Los Angeles County Jail, people would say, hey, man, who did all those tattoos? And he'd tell them I did it. And, then, and he says, and this one's handmade, and this is machine, and this is handmade, mass machine, and they... They says, wow, you can't tell the difference, you know? And wow. uh, But he said, oh, yeah, he can put a dot on a dot. So, <laughs> but, you know, but I, I was always uh, into tattoos from that day on. After I saw that old guy, I thought, I got to figure that out. So did you, I, just, did you just figure it out yourself or did you have anybody to tell you what to do? Yeah, there was no, there was no, uh, legal tattooing in my town it wasn't permitted and uh they uh at one time uh, some gypsies were tattooing in the back of the bar and uh but the city finally shut them down because they would just take money from anybody uh 12 year old kids you know they they didn't care and little kids they want to get a tattoo you know so wow and so they ran them off but then there was an old man that tattooed out of a trailer behind the biggest hotel in town uh, in the, the corner of the parking lot. And the same thing with him. He got down to where he was tattooing eight, 10 year old kids. Anybody wow. could hand him the money, you know? And uh, so they, they outlawed tattooing in town and you did, you did go to jail for it. And uh, if they busted you and so nobody ever opened there at, after that. And that was prior to me being interested in tattoos. So I just was self-taught. I, I tattooed myself 44 times, uh, including the eagle on my chest and, wow. and, and the banner and all the stars and stuff. And, and I, I, uh, I did it in the mirror, you know, when I was 17 years old by hand. And, and so I've, I've, I've experimented all over my body with, uh, well, self-inflicted things. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but I've also had, uh, in my lifetime, I'm pretty sure now, I've had 70-something people work on me in my lifetime. And wow. some of them repeatedly. I forget how many it is for sure, but it's multiples. And so I'm covered from from uh, my neck down to uh, my toes. 
Wow. And, and I wouldn't take nothing for it. It was, uh, it was the greatest, uh, collecting all those, uh, you know, chunks of history from these different people that some of them are totally unknown. And that's even cool. That's even as cool as it gets because you don't even remember where all that came from. You know, <laughs> I used to be able to name everybody, you know, but I've done so many multiple cover-ups on myself or had them done even. And I've covered up beautiful tattoos, but I was just layering as they call it, you know, and, uh, yeah. and, and, and this guy couldn't believe it at, uh, in Amsterdam. I was there and I was, we were talking about tattoos and I was discussing layering. And this one young guy says, what are you guys talking about? And I, and I said, well, you know, when you get to be our age and you, and you just, you just start stacking them on top of each other. And so, <laughs> and so later on, I walked to the tattoo shop and I, and he says, Hey, Charlie, come here. He's in the chair. And this guy had a, had a complete sleeve that was made up of the type of tattoos that are mixed subjects, but they don't quite touch each other. There's just a little bit of skin in between, but he didn't have any stars or dots and any of that stuff going on. But, um, but he had blasted right across all that on a big angle from elk, the center of his elbow almost kind of spiraling around his arm down to his wrist, a, a screaming eagle with his wings out and, yeah. and like half of those over here, you know, sticking out of a wing and, and it was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he said, I'm layering, man. <laughs> wow. What what do you think is your most painful having been tattooed so much? Uh, there's only two places on my body that I would actually refer to as pain, and mm -hmm. I've been tattooed everywhere. But I just thought, oh bullshit, that you know, you just live through that. And that's so what, you know? Uh, that's what it. If that's what it, I used to think, oh, so that's what it feels like right there, you know? When yeah. I was experimenting a lot and. Um, but, uh, but there's the, the two, two areas I would actually call painful on my body were, were straight behind the knees on the backside of the knees. Oh my God. It just felt like a rip saw was going across there or something. And, <laughs> and then, uh, Pinky Yoon, uh, tattooed my lower back, uh, with some large characters of Chinese characters. Uh, that say tattoo there's two separate pieces and uh oh my god uh, he but he was the, he was known to be a brutal tattooer but you didn't care because it was just that it was the the legend himself performing his thing and and he would just say oh 200 dragon uh, okay and boom he'd hit that ink and just take off running man just laying lines and and it was it was just magic you know and so <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah wow, the things we do <laughs> when yeah, when you but, first but, 
but he did when he did that i didn't care if he crucified me because of who he was and and you know i, I totally respected him as a as a tattooer and a humanitarian he used he used to send me christmas things every year uh, you know beautiful gifts and uh but he was a legend in my mind and and people would tell me they'd come into my shop and i'd say oh get a little pinky dragon going there or something and they and and the girl would say yeah some crazy old chinese guy in san jose did it and, and and I and they and they'd say something about I think I want to cover it up. I said, Oh no, no, don't touch that thing. Man, are you kidding? That's a treasure. They don't know. They don't they just don't know. Yeah. That's all. They're just the, you know, I'm just a, the crazy old tattoo guy, you know, that most of, a lot of people too, you know. So <laughs> And um, when you first started, when you were tattooing, like hand-poked tattoos out of the back of your Chevy, what sort of things were you tattooing? Like, what sort of style was it? And did, were you using color or was it just black? Oh, oh just black. That's all. I, I didn't know anything about color and didn't give a damn about it. You know, yeah. to me, it was, I was never fascinated with with the, uh, the bright colors anyway. To me, it's all just contrast. It's dark and light, everything. Even when I look at colored things, I think of them in terms of just dark and light, you know, because to me, that's a, that, that's the ultimate. So when you have ink contrasting with the, the complexion of their skin, whether it's white, bright white, or a real coffee, nice tone, brown skin person, uh, or even light, light skin blacks, uh, I just think it's just beautiful, the the combination of the contrast. And it yeah. can run the gamut from, you know, just open open skin to uh, playing the part of the design as well as the uh, solid, heavy graphic black or the nice gray shading in between, you know? So to me, it's all just, that's how I, that's my preference. And when people would ask me, so would would you do it in color or in black? And I said, I just do it black. And they go, why? And I go, well, after you asked me if I, how I would do it, and I'm telling you why. And they and I would say, first of all, it's probably cheaper. The second, and not that that matters, but it is a factor. It is cheaper. And I says, and it heals quicker. And you. Uh, don't have to worry about the staying power. I said, it's there, you know, and it may sink in a little bit more, but you know, that's the, it graduate, uh, ages gradually so beautifully, I think. So I would always just recommend that to them. Was that unusual at the time? Was it, did most people do color because? Of the, yeah. Yeah. Most, most of the Europeans all did just, color tattoos and and uh i understood that tradition you know that that was there that that and, and a lot of uh early american tattooers they didn't dream of doing anything just black because it wasn't complete in their mind you know uh 
it, it was like, a, except it, it, unless it was a little, uh, maybe at a carnival or something, they might get a, just a little line drawing of a pig or something, you know. But uh, basically, I went to that because I was used to working on, I love the way ink looked. Uh, I worked on a lot of Mexicans in my community and ran around with them. And uh, uh, so I was just used to their culture and their, uh, I, I was attracted. In fact, my mom used to say, I can always tell when you come home drinking because you never talk English to me. You just talk Spanish, you know. <laughs> but, but but my and my mom's a, just a country girl from the USA, you know. Uh, so she didn't talk any Spanish. But uh, but when I was drunk, when I was drunk, I was always thinking, and I still I think in Spanish a lot. But I, I so I can communicate, but quite well in that language. But I I still. Um, was just attracted to the idea that especially when I moved to California and and guys were surprised when they would come into the shop and and ask if I would do it in color or just black and that and they were quite surprised when I say black and they go all right man you know because that they were they were uh used to the California prison penitentiary look you know of the thin lines and the and uh, uh, and all the subject matter, I knew that, you know. So it was uh, it was just waiting for me. East Los Angeles was when I got there, and uh, and I used to tell the people I worked with that East LA was tattoo heaven before I went there, and uh, so. But I I looked for the the right spot for a year every Sunday before I found it. And when I found it, I got, I got goose flesh because uh, I just knew it was the right deal, you know, internally. Yeah. And it worked out beautifully, you know, over the years. And so uh, the, uh, the Lord has been good to me and in all my life, and especially uh, allowing me to have the freedom that I had had as a uh, independent tattooer who didn't belong to anybody's. And, and so when I went there, I knew it was going to be good from the gate, like I said. And uh, and it was. And praise God here uh, all these years later, which is, uh, what is it, 75 I opened there. So wow, you know, we're, we're talking... 45 years you know yeah so, when, what what year was it when you started tattooing like when you 19, were 15 what year was in it 55 in 55 wow. yeah yeah oh, wow. so I, I did that uh and just as uh enjoyable as the machines because i didn't know anything about them yeah but when wow. i came to california i just uh I was not attracted to the tattoo industry to begin with because I thought they were too carny about it. They were yeah. very, very flippant. It was, a, there was, a, they just didn't take it serious in my opinion, because 
I worked with one gal who put, you used to put cross-eyed virgins on people's backs and laugh about it, you know, giggle <laughs> about it, you know, and, and, and stuff like that, you know, and I, and I thought, and, and they were just get over people, you know, and yeah. trying to get over and get out of anything. And, you know, it was just, to me, I just didn't really cotton to that kind of treatment of the uh, public, you know, because I wanted to do good art as good art as I could for a yeah. tattoo. And so, you know, I, I didn't understand trying to just take advantage of people, but that's, it's still like that in this industry. People think, oh, that's an easy caper. And they, and they, uh, and, and it is, you can just bullshit your way right through it. You can put on, <laughs> you, you can put on a semi decent tattoo and still have people come back over and over if you're a, a personable character. But, uh, and it can just be a substandard tattoo, but they're satisfied with it and you, and they like, talking with you and so forth. So ultimately, uh, I've thought about it that, you know, you're everything. When you're a tattooer, in, in my case, I was everything from washing my windows to, do, you know, doing all the, the mopping and the sweeping, whatever that might have been. So I was a janitor a custodian in all the process of being a tattooer. I was a counselor. I was a babysitter. <laughs> I, I, I was a, uh, a caretaker uh, for the, the lame and the halt uh, in many cases. And, uh, and I was also like the, uh, the neighborhood go-to guy for uh, information about anything it seemed like that they they all thought I was knew the score and I did because I was there so many hours of the day and I knew who would be in up and down that street and in and out of my shop and all that stuff and so there and so believe me the area I lived in there was always people looking for people because of the type of you know element that I was surrounded by. And so everybody from enemies of gang members to cops were in and out of my place hunting people. And so, yeah. so anyway, I, I, I seen it all and I've been there, done it all at the t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. When we spoke to, um, we spoke to Kate a few weeks ago, um, yeah. Shanghai Kate, and she said about working in the cage, for like your own safety when in the shop yeah. in East LA. Yeah, because uh, uh, I used to have a half wall around the whole area and people would just walk up to that, you know, waist high wall. And uh, so, but then um, one day Jack came back from somewhere and, and I worked on the other side of a, a glass partition that was, I couldn't see all the way through it. It was frosted and so forth. But I worked on one side and Jack worked on the other. Well, during his absence, evidently, some ne'er-do-well jumped that wall 
out of my vision and stole one of his machines. So I thought, well, that's just bullshit. We'll never have that happen again. And so I just put put that up, you know, uh, that wall up, that the iron, it was all, they were orange. All these bars were painted orange. And we buzz you in or buzz you out, you know. So because of the criminal element that lived in the neighborhood, they would always laugh at each other. How long you've been busted, man? You know, <laughs> <laughs> and talking to each other through the bars. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was just it was just to eliminate any bullshit like that ever happening. You know. Yeah. What was East LA like as an area back then? Well, it was it wasn't very large in the area. Um, I forget the statistics, but. I think it was something like worse. It was seven or what was it? Ten times worse than uh, I believe New York. The murder murder rate. Wow. Uh, and uh, in just such a small area, because I was in a, East Los Angeles. Only was a, uh, I, I was in an unincorporated area there, and so I. I was the only shop for miles around. Well, nobody wanted to go there to begin with, you know, but they, they just didn't know the culture and, uh, you know, yeah. and it, it was, like I said, it was tattoo heaven, you know? Yeah. So but yeah, it, it, but so it was, there was a lot of gang activity for sure. And a lot of killing. And I mean, come on, I, I, I've seen that. The, the cops used to, the narcos used to sit in a parking lot right around the corner from the shop and, 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 and bird dog the neighborhood. And, uh, and, and the homies would drive by and start shooting at the cops just to, just to have a little excitement in the neighborhood and go peeling around the corner onto the boulevard. And then here come the narcs chasing them. Of course, it was just, re it was real cops and robbers, you know? So and I grew up around that every day, you know, for and, and and thought nothing of it, you know. Yeah. Well, that's it. I guess if you're just used to that, you're it's normal. But for us, you know, we're Mick and I are both from small towns, really safe communities. It's yeah. Um for us, we're like, oh, so you know, shocked to hear it. But when you live with that, it is just normal. And the customers were. Uh, mostly Latino, of course, because they as he lived there. But we used to get people that would travel from elsewhere because of the reputation, and uh, and a lot of times they kind of felt out of their element uh, by because they were surrounded by, you know, by some of them were killers and you know, uh, and bank robbers and all that, and there was everything associated. And, you know, in my clientele and, yeah. uh, but, but I treated them all, you know, I loved them all, you know, that was the difference. I didn't, I didn't care. You know, they were paying customers. I, I wanted to put good art on them and, you know, I didn't care what they did, you know, as long One as thing... they, there was any respect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
one thing that Kate said to me just stuck with me and it was about when she went to get her first tattoo and she was limited the tattoo said she was limited in what she was allowed to have in terms of design was the demographic of the people you tattooed was it a mixture between men and women and then or was it still quite rare for women to be tattooed well uh the majority i would say probably were male uh but in the mexican culture there's a lot of females that dig tattoos man and so you know, they're, they, if they grow up in a gang culture, there's no distinction between male and female. They all get tattoos. And so there was a, they were a lot of, a lot of the women were tattooed, but then, then when you got to the grandma stage at when, you know, they were the ones who frowned on, Oh, honey, don't, don't be doing marking up your skin. And, you know, <laughs> um, there might have been a few of those that were in their 70s and 80s back in the day, but you know, uh, there and, and so, but basically male, I would say. And then, uh, what was the other part of that? Uh, just about you, um, designs. Kate said she was limited on what she was. This oh, tattooist yeah. in New York had said what she could have. And he said, you can have a skunk or you can have like a rabbit. But And she was like, I want a clipper ship. And he was like, you can't have a clipper ship. It's not for girls. Well, you know, I, I never did limit what females could have. I wasn't that. Because... Uh, I, in fact, I, I even uh, made a remark. I was at, at the closing of a popular tattoo shop in San Francisco, and I was wandering around, and there was a young girl, 20 years old, sitting there get a an getting an anchor on, on her uh, shoulder of her arm there. And I said, how cool is that? I love to see girls get arm tattoos. And, uh, and a lot of them only wanted body tattoos, you know, uh, where it could be discreet or something, but, uh, but anymore, but you know, the, the, I was always exposed to females getting tattooed. So I, I never really drew a distinction between them. I think liking tattoos any less, maybe receiving them a little bit less though. Uh, but as a matter of fact though, but I, uh, the, gal that I worked with in Los Angeles, I mean, in Long Beach before I went to Los Angeles was a female tattooer, a cowgirl biker. And, um, and she was very popular in my shop in East LA. She was, uh, uh, you know, dressed all Western. So she appealed to all those, uh, uh, especially the older cats, you know, that had that dress all cowboy from the other side. Of Amazing. In Mexico, yeah. And so they didn't care as long as she touched them. They didn't care what she put on them. <laughs> they could, they, 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 she could do black roses all up and down her arms. They didn't care. They were just enthralled with her. So she was, <laughs> so she was quite an attraction. Uh, just, well, she was an attractive person, you know, physically. And she was funny too. She would entertain, entertain them along the way. And so, 
so, you know, she was uh, actually a, a benefit to my business, you know, uh, <laughs> in, that, in that respect, you know. Yeah. With them. Um, go ahead. With, in the local, in the like tattoo community now, it's like there are so many good resources, things like this podcast and everyone is quite, well, a lot of people are quite happy to share tips and advice what did you have good relationships with other local shops or was there any like rivalry or there wasn't was any like... other, there was no other local shops <laughs> oh yeah not in east la <laughs> <laughs> yeah there wasn't any others because in the beginning people told me like i i, I said all this in the book but um but people told me to begin with, oh, it's too dangerous over there, man. And, and uh, you know, there's, uh, it, it's just uh, dangerous to even live there. And, and I said, oh, I grew up around gangsters and tattooed them as a kid, you know. Uh, and and I, ran, I ran around with everything from cop killers to, you know, I, I knew them all, you know. And yeah. so, and, and. Well, I made no distinction. Like I said, I just love them all from the beginning. I, I've all, I just, I just love everybody and, until they're wanting to shit on me, you know. But <laughs> that's the best way to be. <laughs> but you know, why, why, why wouldn't you? Uh, you know. So anyway, um, where was I? So when I went there, it was something about East LA. Um, other local shops and what they were and if you were friendly with each other yeah they said it was too dangerous and then they said there's no money there and i said oh, oh bullshit yeah. well, these guys have thousand dollar paint jobs on their cars and and they got guns and they got drugs and you know they got money it's just priorities you know and yeah. so and so then besides being dangerous and and having no money they said well nobody's Tattooed there since World War II. And I said, well, don't you think it's damn time somebody did? And, you know, <laughs> I mean, just so there's three good reasons, you know, to be there. <laughs> well, and that definitely because, paid off. Yeah. Yeah. So then nobody ever opened up on me but one guy. And they burglarized his shop. And so he shut that down uh, <laughs> uh, pretty quick. Yeah, someone who opened up in your in your area, and yeah, well, he—that's what I'm saying. Uh, the the homies just made sure he didn't keep operating. Right. You know? <laughs> nice. Were yeah. you was it busy? Like, were you tattooing a lot? A lot. Oh yeah. Were you yeah. Well, yeah, from. Uh, well, I opened at 5 p.m. at night because I liked the night crowd. Uh, and it was more activity and so forth in the evening and in the daytime because a lot of times, well, some people were working in the area, you know. But we wanted to tattoo the local guy that, you know, that got off at 5 o'clock too and, you know, uh, was wanted to maybe get a tattoo in the evening or something, so. I always liked the night shift after uh, working in Long Beach and at the Pike. So 
I opened at 5 p.m. and I was open till one in the morning. And uh, as long as the door was not locked, you would you would get a tattoo. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, we, we locked up at one o'clock, but if you were already in there, you'd get a tattoo even if it was five in the morning. And so, so my brother <laughs> used to lock, lock the door at one o'clock and that was supposed to be it with the line getting in but but i tattooed till many times till the sun came up you know and i started at five at night yeah. but but that's what i did i was a tattoo man you know among <laughs> all those other things that i could go on and on you know a construction guy you're everything if you're a tattooer you know you gotta yeah. know you gotta have some basic skills in every area, you know, and if, yeah. especially if you're going to have your own shop, you know, because it's your cha-cha and you have to take care of it, you know. So, that's it. So when yeah, you... so I had no competition there. That, that's <laughs> what yeah, because they knew they, it was a certain style and certain uh, individuals that worked there that they had respect for their work you know and so they they came from everywhere so we did get outsiders besides east la yeah and did it when you first opened up your first shop in east la was that just you and was it you and jack or did you have anyone else there to start me, with me and jack me and jack and a year later i hired lady blue the cowgirl biker and uh uh, because I had worked with her at the bike, and, uh, and and so she called me up a year after I was open, and she said, "Hey, I went by your shop in East LA, and what's this business about 5 p.m.?" And I said, "Well, that's when me and Jack go to work." And <laughs> and and she says, "Well, how come you don't open at noon?" And I said, "You open at noon if you want to." So she did, and uh, so. Like I was saying, she made the public happy when she was there, for sure. And, <laughs> and then, um, and then, probably within, I'm not sure if it was six months or so after that, I hired another guy, Creeper, and and him and Jack, Jack and Creeper, uh, are the only two apprentices that I ever had uh, for well for multiple years and then 20 years ago i broke in my son-in-law uh, oh wow 22 years ago i think or so and uh but i ran him off for years before i finally consented <laughs> but uh other than those three and my own children of which are, there are three and they all tattooed at one time, but only my um, second child, my son, he's the only one that still remains in the game. And and actually, I closed my shop over a year ago, and he he still does a few few from time to time. Goes to goes to the he goes to them, you know, if they yeah. want it. And and then my grandson. He's got a huge van parked in my driveway 
that's been converted into a tattoo shop. And it's really happening. It's really cool. But anyway. I love that there's a whole, you know, three generations yeah. of tattoo yeah. artists. Yeah. And, and I read that you're, correct me if I'm wrong, but was your your dad a preacher? Yeah, that's right. So you've gone in like the opposite direction in terms of work, and but everyone has followed you from that point on. Yeah, well, you know, there was uh, it it was frowned upon by the older generation. Period. You know, whether they were uh, Pentecostal preachers or not, it was it was quite conservative. Now, I was living in Heartland America. You know, farming communities. You know, so there, it wasn't, uh, well, if I lived in Chicago or something, it would have been probably thought of a lot differently, you know, but I lived in uh, Wichita, Kansas. So that's 50 miles from the geographical center of the United States. And so that is heartland USA. <laughs> <laughs> they were all very conservative. Yeah. But my dad, um, yeah, and me had different ideas about it, for sure, when I was young. <laughs> um, what other, so what other interests did you have then and now? Did you have bikes? I've read <coughs> a few sort of people um, referring to you as like a biker-style tattooist. Well, I was, even though I bought a, a trike, I was never a biker. Truly, uh, but I was walking past Lady Blue um, one day, and she was talking to a client what she was working on, and she said, "Well, I would sell it for fifteen hundred dollars." And I said, "What are you selling for fifteen hundred dollars?" And she said, "My trike." And I thought, "Wow!" And I'm pretty sure she told me she spent forty five hundred dollars on parts, and then some Hell's Angels built it for her. And, uh, and so anyways, I, I said, well, I'll give you 1500 and I don't even want one. And, uh, <laughs> and I, and I bought it and I rode it very few times, but, uh, it was, it was too much of an attraction. They would just mob you when you pulled up anywhere on it and want to talk to you. And I didn't want all that, you know, I, I mean, I, I like, I thought it was a cool looking machine and, but I only rode it like once a year or so, uh, you know, <laughs> just to exercise it. And people would always gaga and, you know, go goofy over it. But <laughs> yeah, and, and so one of my neighbors even told me, says, you're a real weird dude, man. And I go, why is that? And he says, well, you have, you have a real cool pickup and you got a trick trike. And you ride the city bus to work a lot of times. And I said, yeah, well, you know, I'm part of the community. And I said, who cares, you know? I'm just going from point A to point B, you know? And you know, I, like, I like riding the bus to be, to feel like I'm really part of the community, you know, once in a while, you know? In a real way, you know, because you meet, you make Pedro go into the car wash job, you know, and, and Lucy going to the salon and all those people that, you know, are 
locals, you know, that they're not really part of your tattoo world, but they're part of your community, you know? So yeah, I always like that. Yeah. I am. Um, I know you mean about being mobbed. My boyfriend, he's got a couple of Harley Davidsons. Um, one of which is a chop that he built himself and it's just this red shiny attraction and he doesn't ride it anywhere because he he doesn't want to leave it anywhere he won't park it up the only place he rides it to is like a show where it's mobbed for the right reasons but, you know the rest of the time it's just in the garage and he spent like seven years building this each bit him like build it by hand and he sure. doesn't ride it <laughs> yeah I'll just, I'll just have to steal it off him. <laughs> yeah, so I was never a biker, but but the other interests I've had, I became fascinated with collecting uh, American Indian uh, imagery of all kinds, and uh, not just framed art or posters or Indian representations, but uh, a lot of antique type things, you know. I, I used to love and still do the soda bottles and all the the, the products that were where the American Indian was uh, promoted as their logo, you know. And so I've I've got a pretty gigantic collection of cool stuff along that line, you know, everything from groceries to car parts and stuff. Had you know names and little images so i've always collected those that type of stuff for 40 years plus or so oh wow i bet you have a lot if you've been collecting it for 40 years oh yeah i do yeah <laughs> and, I, and, and, and and obviously uh a lot well one of the things that i started with though which may seem completely childish or boring to some people but i started collecting postcards with uh indians on them and uh because back in the day you could buy at the antique stores you could find them boxes of them shoe box you know for a dime a piece and so forth and uh but but now those identified individuals that are on real photo postcards they're worth a hundred bucks or more you know so wow. And I've got albums full of stuff like that, you know, and but I bought stuff when it was a quarter and, you know, anyway, I've got multiple albums of those. Of those and that's, that was one of my first loves of, because they were so cheap and you could store them easily, you know. So I've got, I don't know, 25 thick albums full of those things. Uh, and I still buy them. You know, and, and West and Western comics also. That's just another antlist. Uh, yeah, you just can't resist a buy. Sure, that's right. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a that, that saying in antique stores that the time to buy an antique is when you find it, and so <laughs> if it was an Indian that I didn't own, I used to buy it. If it was a little sculpture or a little, you know, ashtray, it didn't matter. So I, I just had, so years ago, probably 35 years ago, I, I counted out, I was supporting 77 collections at that time. 
and it grew from then on. So it's, you know, <laughs> wow. I mean, that's what items, you know. So. Yeah. I, I collect antiques as well and, um, you know, vintage bits and pieces and it's, uh, it's dangerous. When you haven't got a single place to put an item, you're like, hmm, should I stop? <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> and I don't stop and I buy more and more. <laughs> That's what, you know, when you were saying you were, you were having problems with booking people in, you should you should have your like get an assistant who just follows you around antique fairs saying you've got nowhere to put that. That'd yeah, be, that'd be way, way more useful than someone sorting out your appointments. Yeah, right now. Yeah. Lucy, do you need another glass bottle? Do you need another cigarette lighter? <laughs> but yeah. a lot of the stuff that I collect, my mom cringes at it. So my mom is um 75 and she a lot of the stuff I collect is 60s and 70s. And she and she used to collect antiques and deal antiques, and she would deal in Victorian things and you know, like yeah old proper antiques and I buy these things from the 70s and she goes oh it's horrible it was horrible then and it's horrible now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah Uh, different generation for sure yeah yeah Yeah, so with the American Indian thing I did uh, spent 10 years working on my most industrious project and that was honoring 80 tribes uh, but I, I spent every day, I mean, not every minute of every day, but I figured out I, over a 12-year period, I worked on this project. And I took away two years just to cover the times I would be in Los Angeles for a week and, or I would come home from the movies and never go in my room. And, you know, uh, and so I deducted two years just to cover that that I know. 10 years plus, in silence, I sat in my room and worked on my Indian stuff. Solid 10 years every day for eight and 10 hours a day. And I couldn't wait till I'd get through eating to get back in my room and get on that project. And so that was the most exciting thing I think I've ever done in my life is work on that. When you say honoring honoring tribes, what what do you mean? Is it that uh, different American Indian tribes. Have they been the, the tribes that have been lost, or do they still exist? Uh, well, no. There's they've become diluted so much. Some right. of them have have no full blood members whatsoever anymore. Right. Uh, because they, especially in modern days, they they they've a lot of American Asians and Blacks and so forth. So much inter intermingling that there's no distinction uh okay in fact i even put the information down in one part that i think the last known native speaker of this language died in 1975 you know wow yeah i put in little notes like that if i know things about them that i've learned you know and uh, so toward the end of the project i started getting more informational about it the early ones I just showed, you know, clothing, designs, and environment, housing, etc. You know, but but I had, well, I still have thirteen hundred books on Indians, and so oh believe goodness. me, 
believe you me, I can do the research on them. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. And talking of books, how long did it take you and Jack to put your, your book together? It seems like an eternity because I, <laughs> I finished mine way back when, way back when. I can't even tell you now what year. <laughs> but as usual, Jack is the ultimate procrastinator. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I used to tell him, we're never going to get done with this damn book if you don't keep working on it, Holmes. And, and he said, but he was traveling all the time to ultimate conventions over and over. And he says, well, I do take my tablet with me from time to time and, and try and write down a few things while I'm traveling. And, and I said, well, it's never going to happen. This is just nonsense because I'd been ready for, I don't know, two or three years, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, and he was just driving me crazy. <laughs> And, and not so much, he was more worried about Freddie getting his story in there and also um, if uh, other people too. Mark, how come Mark Mahoney don't get his story in there? And I said, hey, man, they're going to be honorably mentioned. Who gives a crap, you know? They've been notified, you know? If they, if they want to be in it, they'll be in it. And it's not, well, you know, you can't worry about them. I said, it's like herding cats or something. It's never going to happen, you know, <laughs> with, with tattooers. They're such an independent breed, you know. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, in his case, he finally, uh, he finally came through, which I couldn't believe it. But, and, and, and his, in his, uh, I guess, length of time, he took, figuring it all out and getting it all done a couple of others crept under the under the wire and got in that would have been left out otherwise so i guess it's a good thing he procrastinated but <laughs> but he was off he's believe you me jack does listen to a different drummer than any you, this is what Kate said that's exactly what Kate said as well she said um she said about Jack because we had we were talking about trying to get in touch with him to see if he would come on the podcast and she said yeah Jack beats to his own like yeah his own drum or something like exactly what you said basically so that's yeah. funny that you say it as well <laughs> yeah but, yeah because uh well actually this is pretty funny his mother even told me Charlie, I've never properly thanked you for saving Jack's life. And I says, what do you mean? And she says, you and I both know that he would have never made it in the real world. <laughs> and he wouldn't. He wouldn't have. He wouldn't have. He's, he's, he, he don't give a shit if the sun don't shine. He's going to come show up when he shows up, no matter what it is. Whether it's his paying a bill that's three months late or something and now he's frustrated because it's not covered or oh my god he drives you crazy his weight <laughs> anyway i love the guy to pieces but there's nobody like him you know he's he's captain of his own ship for sure <laughs> and, and he don't and and i gave him i gave him a sign that even says i know which way the wind is blowing but i choose to follow my own direction and it's got a clipper ship on it. 
<laughs> and he does. He shows up when he wants to. And he just, uh, he's an amazing individual. He, how he operates without, and I even think he might even wear a watch at times, but I'm not sure. <laughs> because it don't mean anything if he does, you know. <laughs> anyway, That's he's so funny. Yeah. He's the ultimate late, late boy. <laughs> and I used, I used to even tell him, I says, don't, you know, because I've spent many, 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 many nights with the guy when, you know, his appointment was at maybe 10 o'clock at night and the guy uh, and Jack would wander in at midnight or maybe later eating a bag of chips and then he'd get on the phone and talk about combing his bumpers or something to on, on, a, on one of his old rides. He, he'd, he'd be making phone calls and, and just, just lollygagging. Well, this guy's been maybe three hours now and he's not even, and now he's thinking about that too. And he's, he's getting ready to start to commence to begin. <laughs> <laughs> and it's amazing because you know i've told him i've seen it happen so many times where then he starts the tattoo maybe at one o'clock he starts scribbling on him and thinking about it and then you know maybe he he's got a four or five hour tattoo so now the guy's it's four or five in the morning maybe six o'clock even and this guy's a working stiff you know, and, and he has to uh, be, be to work at maybe eight o'clock. And the guy had, he's been up all night, no sleep, hadn't ate breakfast, didn't take a shower, can't even, he might even live a hundred miles away and go to Jack for an appointment, you know. And so I, so I've told him, I've seen that happen over and over. Later, Holmes, he'd tell him, you know, and it's 6.30 in the morning or something, and here this guy has got this, who knows? So I've, I've told him, I've seen it happen so much, I told him, Jack, don't you feel bad about wrecking people's lives? And he, <laughs> and he says, what, what are you talking about? And I says, I said, well, you know, and I'd break it down for him all over again, you know. That guy's a married guy. He said so. He's got three kids. He's a working stiff, you know. He's an eight to five or a nine to five guy, and and I'd I'd break it all down for him about how he kept the guy up all night, blah blah blah. And he said, "Well, let me tell you something." He said, "How many times have you poked a guy on the arm and said, hey, who did that tattoo?'" And oh some old guy in Hong Kong and he said well they're never going to say that about my tattoos because of the experience <laughs> they had with them making making them remember that session <laughs> that, that, that'll, that'll be ingrained in their life forever you know? <laughs> so then they're never going to wonder about who did their that tattoo they'll be able to tell it <laughs> Yes, I had the Jack Rooney experience. <laughs> but, but, but in spite of his misbehavior in that department of uh, 
you know, being so negligent with his fellow man, you know, he does beautiful tattoos. And you'll yeah. never forget who did that. Yeah. <laughs> um, our friend got tattooed by him in 1982. Our friend, a friend of the show, Lal Hardy, who you might have heard of, he's a tattooer from the UK. Um, yeah. He started in 78 or 76 or around then sorry Lyle anyway yeah. he said he got a portrait by Jack in um yeah 1982 and it was like the photo he showed me was you know like 30 years old healed and it was still great there was such a good likeness to the person that it was of and yeah just amazing yeah well uh He's, uh, like I said, I've been friends with him. I started him off in the business and I've never regretted it because in spite of the negative, you know, experience they may have had getting the tattoo, (laughs) they they really got a good one, you know, that's for sure. (laughs) So what we need to remember then is if we ever manage to pin him down for the podcast, just expect to be waiting around for a long time. <laughs> yeah. Well, you will probably, but you know, he, he, he's a, Jack's a real funny character. He's, he's a very humorous, but he just don't give a damn about clocks or, <laughs> or calendars for that matter. You know, <laughs> Most of the time, I remember one time when he traveled, I think, he, you know, he must hold the record. I'm sure he's attended 500 conventions in his lifetime. He used to just catch a next plane out, going here and going there. He's been all over. But um, but I think he's attended over 500 conventions. Wow. So, that's that's that was uh, during that time that he was doing that for 10 years straight just hopping the next plane or train out of town was uh creeper literally ran his business for him for 10 years because jack uh, creeper would say well jackson philadelphia or something and we've we've got no power at the shop because he didn't pay the bill you know, and so Creeper, Creeper just started taking care of the business, you know, because otherwise there wouldn't have been any business locally. And I told Jack, you're just you're too worried about people elsewhere getting a tattoo from you. All these locals, you can you don't you're not even known in your own hometown because you're always gone. You know, <laughs> And he was, you know, but, you know. And because over over time he got to where he, that became domineering for him, the convention scene. But he's told, he's tamed down quite a bit. <laughs> so, do you still do any tattooing at all, or have you completely stopped? Well, I rarely ever do anything anymore. But at <laughs> at, con- at conventions, uh, once in a while. I just put a GTC on them, uh, and uh, but I don't want to get hung up on, you know, another uh, <clears throat> one of those 
one of those kind that they like to talk to you about where they want to have their whole life incorporated into the single design with all the representation and oh my god it goes on and on i'm not involved in any of that stuff because i've i've learned so much through the years that it's just well i'm just beyond that at this point you know (laughs) wanting to create another yet you know challenge you know because you know i don't i didn't well i used to tell them i don't need any practice drawing you know when they say well can you draw me a and i'd go yeah but if i'm going to get paid for it but i'm not just going to sketch something out have you take it to your wife saying she saying her saying she don't like it you know you're not going anywhere with that you know we'll develop (laughs) that We'll go from there on if you want to, but you're not taking that out of here, you know. But I, I don't, I, I just do little bangers, and uh, that's all I'm interested in. After uh, 66 years now, wow, of tattoo history under my belt, and I, and I just closed my shop within a, a year and two or three months ago in February so I don't have a shop anymore and uh, and I don't regret that I'm uh, I kind of got well when everybody became a tattooer I kind of became disenchanted I guess one would say because let's face it it's such a common craft anymore Mm -hmm. that you're not you're not you, you don't stand out from the general public you know, like I was telling somebody recently, hell for all you know, if that woman that you're seeing at the supermarket with a full sleeve or something, the kid down the street, six houses from you could have done that for all you know, because it seems like so many families have their own tattooers now. You know, it's just because everybody is one. So I'm not, I'm not thrilled about the idea of, of being one of, who knows how many million anymore. And yeah. I, re- I realize you can't stop prosperity. I mean, you know, progress. One guy told me years ago that tattoo is like a river. He says you can't control it. It keeps, it keeps changing courses and cutting a new course every day. And I that's exactly right. You see that happening. Technology and... Uh, styles and trends and everything and knowledge just general knowledge about it well people are let's face it everywhere you look there's tattoos so yeah you know so i used i used to i've been probably 20 for 20 years i've been almost ashamed to tell somebody it was a tattooer you know because the the ever waitress you would approach that would approach you would say are you a tattoo artist? And my boyfriend's a tattoo artist now. And I think, well, who is who isn't? You know, and that's been years ago, you know. <laughs> well, yeah, you were you were so right, but you know, there might be millions of tattooists, but there so many of them have you to thank, really, because you 
you brought this fine line black and gray you made it you made it so popular and if you hadn't have done that like that's what I do I do black and gray well I do black really but fine line black work and if you hadn't have made it so popular back then who's to say that I'd be doing it now you know so and then people come up to you I think god they don't know who you are <laughs> don't disrespect him <laughs> but it's just yeah it's amazing really like what you did and and the years that you have put into it so I think you're you're quite you definitely have earned the right to say like that you're sick of it <laughs> yeah well I had a guy a big great big guy tell me a probably a couple of years ago now, he said, Charlie, do you realize there's two kinds of tattoos in this world? And I said, well, what are you talking about? And he says, well, you've got those colored traditional tattoos and then you've got the black and gray world. And I go, yeah. He said, and he gave me a big squeeze and he says, just think half the world is doing that now, Charlie. And you started all that. And I go, yeah, I guess I know. I guess I have that understanding but and I'm thankful yeah. for it I guess but it wasn't anything I intended to do uh that I set out to do you know uh like the song said the country music song I don't want to set the woods on fire I just want to start a little fire in your heart you know <laughs> well that was my <laughs> idea you know I didn't know I was going to do a, something that become worldwide you know I just was doing a local thing because I wanted to make the homies happy, you know? And wow. I wanted to put a little fire in their heart, you know? <laughs> well, I'm also very thankful that you did it because, yeah, it's just, yeah, what an amazing story. Well, what advice would you give to somebody who um, was just, well, what advice would you give to modern tattooists now people who've started out you know like me I suppose what tattooing for seven years Any well tattoo? I don't I don't hardly know how to how to encourage anybody anymore because it I mean I, I realize that we're all uh, you know um the the ones and, and here's the thing you, you can never stop it because people turn 18 every day and a whole new crowd enters the, the whole arena of the universe to uh, of the tattoo universe. And so some of some of them are going to be more than interested in wearing them. And uh, and a great deal of those that pursue it are going to become good tattooers, maybe even great tattooers. And so they are all going to contribute to the world around them. But um I, I just always think of, uh, I think of the mission that a tattooer is on. I think that we're ultimately we're medicine men and we give good medicine. And if you give good medicine, you're going to have, you know, good results. And, and here's the thing. If, if you give good medicine, they get a tattoo they're very happy with you're rewarded with the gratitude of being able to deliver a good tattoo as well as getting the hamburger money, uh, <laughs> hamburger money out of, out of the whole deal. So to me, it's a win-win, triple win situation, you know, as a tattooer. And so 
if you're if you're fulfilling your role correctly, I think that the good Lord makes sure that you inherit whatever it is that you you ultimately are desiring in that business, whether it be well, whatever, however you want to approach it, because you see so many of them skinning the cat so many different ways now. You know, uh, you have everything from the the from the large shops with multiple tattooers to the single operators, the lone wolf type that do appointments only, and you have the you know the emporiums where the street crowd is invited in and and so uh everything in between you've got that uh people trying to decide how they can best deliver their service and so i think you ultimately find whatever it is you're looking for in the tattoo industry if you're taking care of business and and concerning that since i've been out of the business so to speak, the last year or so. I've been discussing the idea of a, a museum in Long Beach, California. Amazing. Wow. And uh, and so I, at first I thought, uh, we don't have an all-American tattoo museum anywhere. And and then uh, when I was discussing it with people, they said, well, why limit it to all-American? You know, you might want to have European or Asian exhibits in there. And, I said, well, yeah, we could do that, but but I'm, I'm talking about one that's known as a national place where people go to look at stuff and learn the history. So that's what we're kind of put together now, and uh, yeah. and I think it's going to be uh, uh, from all the people I've talked to that have even had a hint about it. They're all. Uh, very excited because nearly everybody says this old timer what do you, what do you do with all this shit that we've collected over the years you know and yeah. so so they've all got cool stuff that's just you know collecting darkness in a cell in a box or something you know and that's yeah. no good you know people can benefit from all that you know and there's no central place even ed hardy told me that the, you know, um, yeah. he said, what do you do with everything? <laughs> I don't know, but I know I've got a lot of stuff now I've got to do something with. And, and uh, so I'm pretty sure it, it's going to be a success. We, we'll, we'll probably have some sort of a, a fundraiser going for it here and well, but wow. anyway. That would be great. Nick and I will be there, you know. <laughs> Our tickets in hands, knocking on the door. That yeah. sounds like a dream destination. Yeah, well, I think it would be. Yeah, yeah. because in discussing it uh, with Kimiko, who's my gal Friday, uh, and uh, loyal assistant to the Max, uh, oh. dedicated to the Max. Well, anyway, we've been discussing the whole concept off and on. And uh, when we did a, after we did a museum exhibit in Los Angeles at the Museum of Natural History, but in discussing it all with museum people, even after that event, 
we've kind of decided to proceed with that because there is no place in America where there's no for there's a there's a thousand little shop museums yeah but there's not anything that's considered like the place to go you know so we thought if we could get on the Queen Mary maybe that would be a dual attraction for the city but I don't think that's going to work out uh, that's a shame because given that there was the the tattoo convention on there yeah that would have uh, been a great place to have it yeah they we i went to one in 82 that it already put on and that was the first one there and uh there was a few after that and uh but they've they've quit having them and then now uh chemical called it uh it was under covid uh, restrictions. There was no, it was locked yeah. down for a year or something. And then they, they said it filed bankruptcy in January. Oh. But I, I said, ah, oh, but they'll just file chapter 11, I bet, and go right back to business. But yeah. who knows? Whatever happens with the museum, I think it's going to receive a lot of support. Oh, and yeah. I, I hope so. I believe yeah. so. Well, you know, it's only a smaller podcast, but if there's anything we can do to help you uh, get attention for it or, you know, advertise any fundraising, we're happy to do what we can. No oh, thank, thank you. you. It has just, thank yeah, thank you for answering all of our questions. And it has just been, yeah, amazing to speak to you. A real honor. Thank you so much. Well, uh, I know that the tattoo train is getting longer. Uh, the people are getting on board constantly, and it and it's and it's never ending. It looks like, yeah. But but I'm glad that I was in it when I was in it, and um, we'll see what happens from here on out with it. But I can't I can't imagine I could never imagine it going anywhere beyond where it is. But I but I saw all this coming way all, all those years ago when uh, people would not quit starting apprentices i thought wow you know eventually if you guys don't stop doing that uh we're gonna everybody's gonna be flipping burgers or tattooing and and here we are (laughs) because nobody would listen another guy wanted to start a supply company another guy wants to have another convention another guy wants to have multiple shops not this one you know and I always think, how many hamburgers does a guy need? You know, <laughs> there's no end to it. They all want their own color line, their own machine line. You know. Yeah, I'll be. Me, I wonder I'm, what it will be like in another forty years. I don't know. He'll he'll be robotic. He'll probably <laughs> do away with all the all the uh, tree craftsmanship. That's yeah. It what it is it's just a craft now that's so common but um but i'm glad you're uh dedicated i i guess is the word uh (laughs) i try to be i and i'm years you're traveling around and seeing everything you can and so hopefully you're working with good people and yeah just i just 
I just want to keep learning and at the moment I feel I'm so dedicated to learning the history of the craft as well and I just um to hear stories of of it firsthand from you know amazing guests that we've had on the show it's it's just been incredible so the history to me is so important and I think I'm I just want to tell I want everyone else to have the opportunity to learn the history because without that we just wouldn't have it as easy as we do now so it's it's um yeah all part of the process but yeah I it's my whole life it is my whole life and I can't imagine life without it tattooing Let me see the back of your left hand. It's uh, Morticia and Gomez Adams from the Adams family. So that's uh, Morticia, Uh like Angelica Houston, and then uh, Gomez. Ah, cool. And I have just draw on my knuckles as in like drawing. Just draw. (laughs) Yeah, because that's all I do. I just draw every day. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you for showing me, though. That looks good. Cool. <laughs> well, I hopefully I can see you at some point and get a little GTC on me. That would be amazing. I tried to come to LA um, pretty regularly, so hopefully I can pin you down and get one from you. We'll see. If it's, <laughs> it will be, right? <laughs> that's it thank you so much all right cheers mate oh thank you so much and thank you kimiko for sorting it all out you've just been so great in doing organizing all the emails and stuff so thank you both so much it's been a real pleasure thank you very much oh thank you so much so lovely to meet you thank you for your time well you guys have a great afternoon or evening whatever it is over there (laughs) <laughs> okay. Night time. Love you guys. <laughs> Bye-bye. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.